1: We are back live across Michigan hour number two on the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Wednesday, you can follow your local teams on demand and live streaming at MHSAA.TV. What are those numbers like post because COVID era changed things and catching high school games on on MHSAA TV live and on demand and Mark, you'll Executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association in studio. I assume the numbers there have to be astronomical, statewide.
2: They are, and they grow every year. Um, Of our 750 high schools, now over 600 of our 750 are part of the NFHS network. Um, I know of the remaining 140 some uh, schools, you know, a lot of those are are doing uh, streaming on a different platform. So, this is a toothpaste that is never going back in that tube. Um, you know, you really want to say, what, what's, the biggest, what's the biggest way that, that the pandemic did affect high school sports? And without question, it's streaming is now everywhere. And, and it's great for parents that travel and grandpas and grandmas and aunts and uncles that now live out of state, across the country, across the world. Um, that really gave jet fuel to, to streaming amateur sports everywhere.
1: I assume is football if you had to go by a game one game is is it football basketball in that order on the popularity of streaming Michigan high school sports
2: it is and, and the metrics are the highest in those two because those are the most events that are shown um, you know some volleyball gets shown in the gym um, some soccer uh, but you know facilities that that aren't in the gym or in your stadium the automatic Pixalot cameras aren't there. So there's some facilities that now have the cameras for baseball and softball and some of those other activities. But, yeah, far and away, the the most games on the network are football and basketball, and the uh, viewership numbers show the same thing.
1: All right, we had uh, Kirk, the listener from Adrian, on the cave uh, down in southeast Michigan with that question just before the top of last hour. uh, Eight-man football, why are the state championships in the UP and Marquette?
2: So where we started off uh, before the break, uh, our first set of championships were at Greenville High School. Great facility, one that, uh, like I said, any small college in the Midwest would be envious of. They did a wonderful job. Well, we had the same argument that you're having the eight-player championships at a school just outside of Grand Rapids, and every year uh, you've got a UP school in it. Um, We're playing outdoors It's a little bit of the roll of the dice. And once we went to that second division of eight player, which really then doubled the number of UP teams every year from one to two. Uh, that's why we made the decision to go to the Superior Dome. For our eight-player tournament, the Superior Dome is the perfect size in terms of seating capacity, in terms of them wanting to have the event, in terms of them being able to, to paint the temporary sidelines on the field. Um, it's really been a great fit. Well, what's kind of started the conversation again is this year, it just so happened for the first time ever that all four of our eight-player finalists we're all teams below the bridge and not just below the bridge. I mean, I'm guessing that the, uh, the caller is uh, connections with Lenaway Christian and Adrian, and I'm not sure you can get much further away. That's close to the Ohio border. That is. It is so a long, and long way. And Lenaway Christian, we want to
1: give them some love for the listeners on 96.5 The Cave. They had to go, is that 14 hours, 15 yep. hours? Yeah, about that. and then our, our But it's up, in Michigan. It it's a is, whole
2: state. It is. And you then guys
1: don't say we're the Michigan High School Athletic Association
2: except for here and here. Yeah. And then our other winner was Martin, who's south of Grand Rapids. So both of them had to go a long, long way. So because of that, we're going to look at what are the other options. Um, it is important to note for your listeners to know that schools opt in to playing eight-player football. Uh, Right now, a school of 100 students, if they wanted to continue to play 11 player, they could do so. So there's no requirement that our small schools go the eight player route. Um, It's been, and when we made this transition to eight player, we made it very clear that our 11 player finals will be at Ford Field, and for those schools that that want to opt into the eight player tournament. Um, here are the different dates, here are the different venues, here are the different locations. Um, In some very preliminary conversations with Ford Field, they are not interested in a third day. Um, so for us with two days, we cannot play more than four games in a day. So uh, a little bit of the, why, why not the eight player at Ford field? Um, you know, that conversation really was over before it started, but we're open to looking at what other options are available. I think we need to hear what our eight player schools are talking about. I'll also mention here, as I land the plane on this answer, we're also looking at putting in a hard cap for Division 8 11 player. In other words, what we would say, and this is going to go in front of our board in March, that if you are a high school of 250 students or less and you want to play 11-player football, you'll automatically be in Division 8 every year. So what we do right now is we divide our eight divisions of 11 player. How many schools are playing? We divide by eight. It's eight equal divisions. What we would do is in Division 8... It would be only for those schools 250 or smaller, and then the remaining seven divisions would all be equally divided. And what we're hoping is to, one, provide an encouragement for our small schools that want to play 11-player to keep playing 11-player, and then the other part of it is maybe that 250 number or less that are some of our schools playing eight-player would look at that and say, well since D eight is going to only be for small schools, maybe we'll transition back out of eight player and jump back into 11 player. So those are the conversations that are going on within our football community right now. Very fair question from the caller and Adrian. And like I said, this year was kind of unique where it was four communities that all had to travel along.
1: And let's be honest. Okay. UP schools have come down to silver dome and Ford field for decades. Yes. Okay. And if it, If you're in a state championship, I get the drive, and I've made that drive to our affiliate WMPL and Houghton Hancock Calumet 12 hours from my door, 12 hours. I can almost get to Oklahoma to see friends in the same drive. It's a beautiful drive. Nothing beats going across the Mackinac Bridge with snow and ice and 50-mile-an-hour winds. Just a great drive. Uh, I've, I've, I've experienced a blizzard either on the way there or back. Uh, The two times I've drove up there, swore to myself I'm flying in the Marquette. I don't care if I got to go to Minneapolis and catch a connector, but I love the drive. I I think it's fair that the UP gets a chance to host some state championships. That's my opinion.
2: Yeah, and the other part of it is, yeah, it's a long way, but I've never heard one of our schools that's made the trip and got to play in the Superior Dome that, one, they weren't treated great, and, two, it wasn't a great atmosphere. But isn't the road trip and
1: the experience and the culmination of a season, and Martin had an unbelievable comeback. Unbelievable. At the Superior Dome this year,
2: didn't they? What was that? You told me this last time we were together. They scored four touchdowns in the fourth quarter to come back and win. They I mean, were they were down uh, late in the third quarter. You're looking at the the board, thinking, "Man, is this going to be a 35 point running clock?" And the next thing you what know, was the score late third quarter. It was like thirty some, uh, like 32 to eight. And uh, next thing you know, is they get uh, a score, a turnover, an onside kick. And they ran the table score like the last 36 points of the game uh, to win it. So just an incredible game, a great story. But, uh, no, fair criticism. But, you know, as we say in Michigan, the road does travel in both directions.
1: Speaking of divisions, I know when we're together and you do your monthly in-studio conversations with me, uh, there is a call with the growth of high school sports and change, not only for more divisions in basketball, but people – Asking why not have more divisions across the board in other sports?
2: So we've actually taken the concept of what would extra divisions be like,
1: not just for basketball. You're talking for all sports.
2: Well, actually, the kind of the middle of the road approach has been okay. We've got 750 high schools that are part of our membership. Uh, what are the sports that are sponsored by our most schools? And so the number that we've kind of settled on, and there's a big break, is for sports that at least 550 of our schools sponsor, what would it look like going from four divisions to five? So that would obviously include basketball, it would include volleyball, it would include baseball, it includes softball, and then it also includes cross country and track and field. So The question is, okay, what's a fifth division look like in track? Well, instead of four sites in June in Grand Rapids, we'd need to find a fifth site. Um, What does that look like in basketball? Well, are you still able to play five divisions, still in your three-day window, still in the Breslin Center? Um, What does that look like, and how does that change the experience? So what we're doing right now is... Same thing
1: for baseball and softball. When you get uh, soccer and those three sports all together... On the campus of Michigan State.
2: Right? You got it. So what we're doing is is I took that general concept and talked about it with administrators on my my normal fall tour every year. And then what we've done is we did take some survey data and what we're doing in those sports I just named, each of our sport committees, which are meeting now during January and February, they're going to look at their numbers, what would the divisions look like, and they're really um, you know arguing the pros and cons for this. Um, And then we'll get some feedback and we'll see where all the dust settles come spring. But it's something where we started the conversation just before COVID of what would extra divisions look like. But the group of schools we're starting with, Bill, it's those that uh, the 550 schools or more that sponsor our sports. To me, it doesn't make any sense add a fifth division in golf or tennis, which uh, less than half of our schools sponsor. So that's part of the, the metrics we're kind of working through, and, and we'll see where the conversation leads us.
1: So what are the pros and cons from your own personal observation or conversations you had on your fall tour where you go visit uh, all the schools, all the regions? Uh, what are pros and cons of adding? What's a negative on adding a fifth division?
2: So I think there was a lot of intrigue by the concept. Um, what I've learned with divisions as well as you know, here in the West Michigan area is the OK Conference is kind of working through their realignment process.
1: Which they should have the announcement next week. They're trying to get it done before kids
2: leave for school Christmas break. Sure, which makes a lot of sense. Whenever you're talking what division or even what conference I'm in, everybody wants to be the big one of the bigger schools in their group. And so what we've got right now with our four divisions set up, is you've got those breaks in four places. You go from a fourth to a fifth division. Well, now you're increasing the schools who are going to be one of the smaller schools in my division by 20%. So that group of folks right now that have heartburn that well, I'm, I'm a small division two, but I should be a division three and uh, the system isn't right or this isn't quite fair. Well, that group of folks with concerns, um, you're only going to increase that by 20%. It is not a magic bullet going from four to five divisions that, yep, you're going to have some schools that now are going to go from being one of the smaller schools to one of the bigger schools, but you've taken that uh, those concerns and you've just shifted those to um, a different group. The other part is with our championships is with logistics. You add a fifth division in outdoor sports such as baseball and softball, you've now put a bigger wild card of weather back into it. Can you stay at Michigan State or do you have to go – to split facilities. Also um, take
1: three to one place, two to another, right? The,
2: and, and then you'd get the, the argument and pushback of, uh, well, you know, the facilities aren't equal, they're not fair, and just some of those equity issues. So that's why I thought it was important for all of our committees. I want to hear from the track and field community, the cross-country community, baseball, softball, basketball, volleyball. And when you get those coaches and, and ADs that have a real interest in those sports in the room, Look at the data, look at what it would look like, look at the survey responses, because if you're going to be an organization that's making data driven decisions based on membership input, um, that's what we're built on and that's what we're doing right now. And um, yeah, I've got some ideas. Um, I, I'm intrigued by the idea, but I also see some of the hurdles uh, that we'd have with it, so uh, we'll we'll see where our membership here leads us. And you lean on
1: what? Not that you follow or copycat uh, your border schools or your border uh, high school associations, but you do look nationally. You mentioned that you're connected to everybody. Is it is the four championship system that we have beyond football? Is that
2: the norm in bordering states? And across the country. Very common. So states of of our general size, and when I say that, the states included in that are Ohio, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Um, Of of having anywhere from 600 to 800 high schools, uh, our four states fit that profile, and all of us are are on a four-division setup. Now, Indiana also has a four-division or four-class setup. They only have 400 high schools in Indiana, but the difference is their biggest high schools are twice as big as us, um, you know, 411 schools roughly in Indiana. Um, but yet we only have about another 30 percent more kids in terms of student population. So that's also been interesting just to look at the number differences. And, you know, I, I always use the Big Ten states as our comparison, um, I've said that for years. I don't know, Bill, how that changes. Um, I'm not real crazy about also comparing us with what California is doing, Oregon, as well as Washington, with the Big Ten expanding, but uh, that uh, we'll see where that uh, conversation keeps taking us.
1: Yeah, and in West Michigan, uh, the OK Conference realignment uh, had a Pac-12 feel to it about a month ago that <laughs> all the conferences were going to disintegrate and form their own alliances, which... Seven schools did, the New River Alliance here in West Michigan, and I'll give the OK conference leaders with the ADs, with the coaches, and now waiting, I think, on a superintendent's vote early next week, if not on Monday, that they've come up with a solution for football-only conferences. And I really think it's a model in my mind, football-only conferences in West Michigan, and then the rest of the sports are in different conferences that are more neighborhood and regionally based, which limits travel, will increase interest and attendance in games. I think it's a brilliant plan that I would assume the superintendents in West Michigan will approve. But, again, uh, leadership, I don't assume anything. But the football only, it's almost a model that you you get like Notre Dame plays Big Ten hockey only, right? That because of, and they do ACC over here, and then Notre Dame steals whatever ACC quarterback they want to, to be their next quarterback. So it's really a friendly conference alignment that (laughs) ND has. You know what? Yeah. You know what? We're going to take your quarterback, Duke. We took Wake Forest. We're taking everybody down Tobacco Road and their quarterbacks. I think football only should be an idea that college conferences should look at.
2: I've had that opinion the last 18 months with all of this conference realignment. Football's driving the whole thing. Um, you look at what football even did 15 years ago to the ACC, which by the way, was Stanford and Cal now being in the ACC. The ACC now just stands for any Coast conference. But what that did to ACC basketball at the time um, was, I just think, was dead wrong. So football's driving all the college realignment. But tell me, Bill, how is it going to make sense for UCLA? to send their men's and women's track teams to Rutgers on a Wednesday afternoon in April. It makes zero sense. So if football and the football dollars and football revenue are the issue, then do your football thing, and then in all of your other sports, and um, why wouldn't you make it more regionally based? Where you're, you're not traveling, especially your non-revenue sports, to me, that just makes way too much sense, and that's probably um, while it, why it won't happen. But
1: here in the OK time of conf- nine also comes into play because you get sports claim. Oh, football's getting all this treatment. They can travel, but you're not going to let us travel,
2: right? Right. And then the other, you know, argument or the at least the concept that's being floated out there is, you know, to the to the Big Sixty just break away and do their own thing. Yeah, the Power Four. Now there you go. Well, Pac twelve does have two teams. It's the Pac-2. Pac-2. Which actually, my kids' conference, the Mountain West Conference, they are including...
1: And your kid plays, Grant, plays linebacker at Air Force.
2: That's right. As, as we call him in our house, uh, ABLB, America's Backup Linebacker. That's what his sister uh, derisively uh, refers to, to Grant as. Sounds flattering. It, yeah, with her eye roll and everything <laughs> is only a 16-year-old sister can do. But what the they've done now is the Mountain West next year is everybody's going to play eight league games against the normal mountain West. And then your ninth game is every mountain West school will play either Oregon state or Washington state. So what it's allowed those two in the pack two yet is they'll have a full football schedule within the mountain West, not eligible for the league championship, but that's just kind of a unique way that some of those, uh, you know, middle of the country West uh, mountain West schools are taken care of uh, the two that are left.
1: Yeah, the the football only conference uh, idea that and I've seen what it looks like if, if approved by the superintendents, and they they found a way to have common ground, which is tough with I, I think it was it fifty schools or whatever it is uh, to organize those conferences, and I, and I look at the regional non football sports conference. And it's fantastic. You know, a 15-minute ride in a bus, fans going 15 minutes to watch their teams play in basketball, baseball, volleyball, you know, cross-country, whatever it is. It's a brilliant concept, which is already being used. Notre Dame does the pod system right now that you mentioned with the Mountain West. They do it with the ACC in football, and they're full-time in the other sports.
2: Correct. Right? Yep, and that seemed to make some sense for them. Um, I don't know how much sense now it makes for Notre Dame that part of that ACC rotation is now going to include. Well, that.
1: Notre Dame said until they can take a quarterback from every ACC school over the next 15 <laughs> years, they don't want to change anything.
2: Wake up the echoes.
1: Oh, my gosh. Uh, let's go win one for the Gipper, and let's go grab a quarterback for N.D. Uh, they're Notre Dame, so be it. Their money's driving everything, and I do want to get into name, image, and likeness and that... Uh, Bill in the state capitol, again, won't happen until after the first of the year. Will it happen? Mark Ewell, executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Always great conversation in studio. If you have a question, like Patrick Bird had the uh, added divisions question, thank you for dropping that at Huge Show. You can do it on air on the Mercantile Bank listener line at 1-866-838-4843. That's 1-866-838-HUGE. Add Huge Show on Twitter. The Huge Show on Facebook. And if you want to give a shout-out to a boy or girl student-athlete from fall sports at any Michigan high school, drop those at Huge Show on Twitter, The Huge Show on Facebook. Uh, Jim Walter wants to give a shout-out to Bradley White, Claire High School, for our listeners on AM 1280 in mid-Michigan. High school cross-country star broke a five-decades-old school record this season and finished fourth. In the state, mate. Congratulations, Bradley, and thank you, uh, Jim Walter, uh, for the shout out. Some of the other questions coming in. Shot clock for basketball. We should just automatically hit that. We every time you're in the studio, uh, there's a shot clock for basketball. It's there all the time.
2: Do I need to answer that in 30 seconds or less? Or no,
1: uh... you can you can go ahead, answer. We like to, everyone doesn't listen every time you're in. You are popular. There are podcasters. Search the Huge Show. But people, you know, you're you're in different hours. Uh, the shot clock. It comes down to cost of equipment. Somebody running it for in. All the schools need to have
2: it if you're going to do it for one. Right? Correct. And there, there just isn't enough support. It's almost yet. like I know your answer and I can explain <laughs> yeah, it on here. That's when there just isn't enough support yet from our schools, and, and people would be shocked
1: to hear that. They would think every school would want a shot clock.
2: Oh, we survey our ADs. I'm not sure. I mean, that's a small number that are in support. The percentage of coach support is higher, but, um, yeah, we're all over the map with that one.
1: You know why? Uh, and I'm saying this, some schools – by not having a shot clock, they have a chance to beat the more
2: powerful schools. It's the absolute coaching strategy. So in it's old school Hoosiers.
1: It's old school Dean Smith, four corners. But the reality is, in the modern era, I know if you're part of travel basketball and your kids are at that level where they're playing year around. you want the shot clock because it creates more scoring, a faster-paced game. There are high schools that aren't blessed with all of those athletes. Yep. Who then use use the game and the lack of a shot clock to their advantage. Yes, it can be boring basketball at times but we're talking high school hoops.
2: And we don't get many of the horror stories where a team holds the ball and does nothing and the final score is eight to four. You know what, what they'll do is they'll just play a much slower pace and try and keep the game in the, the high thirties or low forties. And uh, some coaches think they have a, a shot at winning. The part about the shot clock that is intriguing to me, Bill is with a shot clock, there's less incentive to foul. So my team's behind with no shot clock, if we're going to stay in the game, I've got to keep fouling and fouling and fouling, sending the opponents to the free-throw line. The thing the shot clock would solve is, well, now we're just going to play defense. Um, we don't have to foul because we know that we'll, the other team has to shoot within 30 seconds and we can get a stop, and uh, that's the part of it that's intriguing to me.
1: What well, what rule change was there in basketball this year? I was watching uh, Forces Eastern and Lee the legends of Lee uh, on the southwest side of Grand Rapids, right near Wyoming. Actually, that there was something that I was I, I was unaware towards the end of the game. It involved free throws, or sure did. What, what was it? What's the rule change? One and ones have disappeared that from was high it. school basketball. That was it, and and people were asking me. Like, hey, can you talk to Yule,
2: man? Can you talk to Yule about what, why, why, how they disappear and why? So the the high schools and not just in Michigan, this is across the country. Uh, they've adopted the the college women's rule that once a team gets five team fouls in a quarter, the other team shoots two. So there's. And high no,
1: schools are still using the quarters, which college women's basketball does. uses. And men's basketball still doing the 20-minute halves. Yep.
2: And so my my daughter's one game last week. The first quarter was a foul fest. Both teams were were in the two-shot bonus. The first quarter ended – on the scoreboard, the team fouls now disappear, and to start the second quarter, the team fouls start over with zero. And what it then did was kind of allow the game to reset. But that—that that is the big change, and that was another thing done to try and discourage teams from being behind and in, in fouling at the end of the game because you're no longer sending a team to the line for one and one They're all now two-shot fouls.
1: Also a shout-out coming from Anthony Bellino, who is host of X's and Bro's weekday mornings at 6 a.m., on the Michigan Sports Network. My shout-out is to Coach Windham and Monroe St. Mary's Catholic Central Basketball. The boys are primed for a big year. So if you want to drop a shout-out, add Huge Show on Twitter, the Huge Show on Facebook. Yeah, I noticed that. I'm like, wait, where's the 101? It should be 101. Everyone's like, it should be one And then I said, I think there was a rule change. Yep. That Yule was on the Huge Show and told me there was – a rule change, and people can always check the rules at MHSAA.com. So you have a high school sports question for Mark, 1-866-838-4843. That's 1-866-838-HUGE. That is on the Mercantile Bank listener line, Mercantile Bank, a Michigan bank because they have a lot of locations all across Michigan. Add HUGE Show on Twitter, the HUGE Show on Facebook. If you want to leave a shout-out for a boy or girl athlete from any Michigan High school this past fall. We'll get into some of the best stories in high school sports in 2023 and his name, image, and likeness money coming anytime soon to Michigan high school athletes. Mark Ewell from the MHSAA, the executive director in studio on this Wednesday broadcast.
0: From Detroit to Petoskey, this show is Huge. Hi, I'm Casey. I don't just work at Meyer, I shop there. Because the holidays are a big deal in my family, I need big deals. And I find them on holiday staples like Meyer's Spiral Sliced Ham for 89 cents per pound with M-Perks. Discount automatically applied when you enter your M-Perks ID limit one. Plus potatoes, green beans, rolls, and more. And I use M-Perks to save even more with a dollar off per gallon of gas. Get the same low prices, big deals, and great quality in-store and online at Meyer. Exclusions apply. See CLD- all deals in the Meyer app.
1: Distillery.
0: Get your groove on. Everybody get it. Friday, up. December 15th at Soaring Eagle Casino. Robin Thicke. Same show, same night. Montel Jordan.
1: Tickets start at $53. On sale now at the box office and etix.com. Party Hard.
0: Slide into smooth. Robin Thicke and Montel Jordan.
1: dot org Where are you watching the Michigan Alabama game on New Year's Day? Where you can join the huge show at Celebration Cinema North in Grand Rapids, and other Celebration Cinema locations will be showing the game. For more info, go to celebrationcinema.com.
0: You're listening to the huge show on the Michigan Sports Network.
1: We are back live across Michigan. Superfly Hayes, one of the greatest technology producers in American history. Uh, Behind the glass, Mark Ewell, executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Landed on the helipad. I can see the MHSAA chopper uh, off in the distance. (laughs) That's that's how he goes everywhere in this state. People are like, he's in the UP. He's down in Adrian. He's over in St. Joe. Now, there's no helicopter. That's actually Orwell Hills helicopter. My bad, Mark. Uh, always good to have you in studio. And you create a lot of conversation, interest, and also questions from the audience. If you have a high school sports question, you can join us over the next hour. 1 838 4843. That's 1 866 838. Huge. That's on the Mercantile Bank Listener Line. Mercantile Bank with locations all across Michigan you want to give a shout-out to a fall high school boys or girl athlete at any Michigan high school, do that at Huge Show on Twitter, The Huge Show on Facebook. Let's go to Andy in Grand Rapids. You're on The Huge Show.
0: Hi, Bill and Mark. Um, thank you for taking my call. My question is, well, it's a two-parter. First, how is the... Official shortage going with um, referees for football, basketball, any sport, really. And two, how can the not only younger people, but just anyone in general sign up to be one? And how what are the resources to study and learn how to become an official?
2: Great question. We were just talking about that off air. Pleased to report that our numbers are seeing the bounce. Um, We knew we were having a bubble coming before COVID, just given the average age of our officials and, and just that kind of normal cycle. And certainly when COVID hit, that got fast forwarded. Um, We had lots of folks who were in their last few years and the pandemic hit and they never came back. Uh, Pleased to report that now in our second year, uh, we are seeing our numbers start to rebound and increase, which is good. Um, I think the thing the listeners, uh, your listeners, I would love for them to hear is when we survey our former officials, basically we reach out every third year. Why did you leave? And and, um, how can we better support you? And Far and away, the two things that are under our control are the way that officials are treated by coaches and the way that they're treated by adult spectators. Not students, not players, not um, student cheering sections, but how ironic that the biggest thing that is affecting our numbers of officials is how adults treat other adults. So that's been something we, we've taken that feedback, and we've tried to increase and raise the bar for how our coaches act, um, how adult spectators act. And if somebody out here is listening and saying, hey, I'd like to give that a try, MHSAA.com, click on the Officials button. It's really a fairly straightforward process. And, you know, gosh, now with varsity game fees going up over a hundred dollars in most parts of our state. If you're a basketball official and you work three or four games in a week, uh, it's an extra, you know, somewhere between, uh, four to $450 in your pocket. And is, uh, one of our, our best basketball referees says, Hey, I get paid to work out, uh, five nights a week. So if anybody is interested, MHSA.com, hit that officials button. We'd love to have you join the team. And also
1: that we've, uh, discussed numerous times, Mark, that, Current high school
2: athletes
1: can become officials and officiate lower-level
2: sports. Correct. Right. In our legacy program. So juniors and seniors can get registered and they can work JV and freshman contest and, and get paid too. Absolutely. And then uh, for our freshman and sophomore students, they can get registered. And in addition to all the youth and travel stuff they could work, they can work a junior high middle school game. So it's a way to kind of get kids exposed to officiating. We've now got uh, nearing 100 of our schools that have something in their P.E. curriculum Whether it's an own standalone class or part of another PE class, where sports officiating is now part of that. And kids can take that segment. And at the end of the officiating segment, they again can take the test and get registered with our office. It's an easy way for kids who love sports, love to be active. It's a way to give them a pathway to make some money right away. And, you know, sports officiating isn't something I think that pops into somebody's mind first. It's working fast food or retail or mowing lawns and those kinds of things. But I'm telling you, for me, it was, you know, my 25 year hobby took me all over, not just the country, but the Western Hemisphere with some international baseball assignments. And, you know, officiating has been one of the, the most enriching things in my life and would encourage anybody interested, uh, give it a shot.
1: Go to MHSAA.com for that legacy program for high school students to be able to make some money and officiate, and also for anybody wanting to officiate any sport, MHSAA.com. Larry in Grand Rapids, listening on 961 The Game, our flagship station. You're on The Huge Show.
0: Hey, nice show. I'm, I referee high school baseball and softball in Western Michigan. I see the girls Now, this year, can't have a double bag at first, okay? But baseball, I guess, my understanding, will not even think about possibly putting that into play. Is there any reason baseball wouldn't have that? Because you guys keep stressing safety and safety and safety, and that's probably the number one spot as far as collisions or, you know, things that happen. I'm just curious on your input why baseball wouldn't even look at it.
1: All right. Thank you, Larry. And GR, Mark, how do you answer that question?
2: So part of that is tradition of the game that in all levels of softball, because softball is a sport where you see people playing fairly late into life That that second base at first base. So you've got the normal white base, and then a lot of places it's the second orange base next to it, that when you've had adult league softball, well, to avoid possible collisions at first base, Will allow the two bases where the runner gets the outside base, the first baseman gets the inside base. You just don't see that in baseball. Well, part of the reason is that, yeah, there's some adult baseball that's played, but there's a lot more adult softball. And because of that, you just never really saw it. Um, A thousand years ago, former college first baseman myself, um, you know, there was kind of a code and this is the part that the fielder had this is the part that the runner had and there shouldn't be any crossing of that line same way with a you know almost 25 years of umpiring that same thing it's just not something we hear from the baseball community that we need that that double first base in baseball so We'll keep our ears open. I do understand the safety part of it, um, but I think part of it is is you know, offensive coaches. When you hit a ground ball, there is one place where you should run, and there is one place where you need to step on first base. Um, with a second base over there, I'm not sure that that kids wouldn't do something silly or stupid, um, even with the second base either. And that's really when those situations start.
1: Yeah, a thousand years ago, Mark Yule, he doesn't like to brag, was two time MVP of the Caveman League. For the Caledonia
2: pterodactyls, uh, I know you. I, I know you don't like to brag about that, but I, I'm always here to have hey, your back. I was a great relief pitcher, and I'd come in on the dinosaur that would walk it me to the mound. It was flaming fantastic. dinosaur.
1: You think wild thing? You think Major League Baseball was it? You got to look at the entrance for the caveman league a thousand years ago. And then what happened? Uh, it wasn't COVID. It was the Ice Age ended everything. <laughs> so the league was just over. <laughs> All his records, everything lost during the Ice Age. Uh, Lee in Hudsonville on the west side of the state. You're on the Huled Show with MHSA Executive Director Mark Ewell.
0: Hi, Mark. Uh, earlier in the year, you had came on when they first talked about all the football finals moving to Saturday and Sunday and I thought, maybe I'm wrong in this, you had mentioned on air that they were going to try to not have any of the Catholic or Christian schools play on Sunday but I did notice that both Catholic Central and Jackson Loomy uh, played Sunday this year was there a reason why that didn't kind of go through? Did you just try to keep the divisions as the divisions were or was that not really a basis? And then a second quick question Um, I help with the Hudsonville Girls Youth Lacrosse Program. I know Last year, I tried real hard to try to get an AED for our program. Some stuff fell through, but I know that you had mentioned on air that that could be potentially down the road um, being a requirement for all levels of the MHSA for outside events. Is that something that you think will fall down into our youth programs as well at some point, point? and that's
1: it? Uh, Lee, I will tell you one thing. Uh, on Facebook or just Google Wes Leonard Heart Team, they take applications for teams and leagues who want AEDs, and they do it through fundraising to honor the legacy of the late Wes Leonard, and most know his story, uh, dying on the court, playing high school basketball at Fenville. But uh, short-term answer could be just uh, reach out, and I think you put in a quick, easy application for an AED uh, West Leonard heart team. All right, so both uh, sides of that question uh, from Lee in Hudsonville, Mark.
2: So we actually, it wasn't just a blanket. Uh, those non-public schools weren't going to play on Sunday. We actually did a little bit deeper dive and tried to identify the schools that had a known, long-standing policy of no Sunday competition. And what we tried to do was look at the brackets, because certainly uh, South Christian and Grand Rapids is one of those schools um, growing up over here that I knew had a long time and being a, a Kelvin University, now alum myself, pretty plugged into that that uh, kind of the West Michigan Protestant school scene, um, and that's why the South Christian division, when we set that schedule, was on um, Saturday. We could not have devised a schedule before the playoffs began to guarantee that none of our uh, faith-based schools would be on Sunday. Again, what we started was that list of the faith-based schools that we knew could not participate on Sunday. Tried to build the schedule based on that, and yeah, Catholic Central out of Grand Rapids and Lumen Christi out of uh, Jackson did play on Sunday. Had productive conversations ahead of times with both schools, and uh, we were able to navigate this this one year schedule. And I'm just as the caller said. It, Everything I've read uh, to change channels here to the cardiac issue um, AEDs are the game changer for cardiac saves. That, yep, it's great to have folks with CPR certification. I sleep more soundly during the winter because almost all of our winter events are indoors and they're usually near the gym um, or the swimming pool where AEDs are everywhere. Where I get more nervous is fall and spring, where you've got teams outdoors spread out. um, And that's why we're working with all partners in our state to get as many mobile AED units as possible.
1: And that might be on more of the local school districts uh, to ask that question, Lee, of your local school district and their facilities. But Uh, pushing. Yeah, uh, and Wes Leonard Hart team uh, apply their good people uh, in Fenville with Ryan Klingler and the Leonard family. Mark, you in studio. You have a high school question, 1-866-838-HUGE, on the Mercantile Bank listener line.
0: Everything huge, 24-7 at thehugeshow.net.
1: Imagine this, a day filled with indulgence, bursting with excitement,
0: packed with extraordinary moments that build memories to last a lifetime. The day that is unmistakably yours, at the place that is undeniably spectacular. Whether you're winning big, dining lavishly, or
1: relaxing oh so comfortably, it's your getaway reimagined at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort.
0: You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan
1: Sports Network. We do have a quick segment, so the caller is online. Your questions were Mark Ewell, When it comes to high school sports, we'll get to them after the top of the hour. Remember, if you miss any of our conversation with Mark, any huge opinion, any hour, any interview, our podcasts are free, and we are everywhere. Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Bean, and more. Just search The Huge Show where you download podcasts and catch up and listen on your schedule. Big. Bad. Huge.